We're just we're just a couple of dudes who like watching hoops, man. That's it. Amen, dude. That was the fastest two hours in my podcast life, though. It went back quickly. Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson. And this is the Busted Bucket Podcast, locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the City of Roses, City of Bridges, Stumptown, PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me is my co-host, the Bay Area Blazer, Rope Zapanta. Look good, feel good, pod good, let's get it. Roe Zapanta. Yes, sir. We got a special guest on once again. Who is it? Can you guess who it is? It's Aaron Fentress. Oh, Aaron. You know him for covering the Ducks, the Beavers, and our hometown team, the Portland Trailblazers. Aaron Fentress, welcome back, man. What's up? It's been a while. When did I come on? Was it late last year? I can't remember. It was. It was. It was late. It last had to have been 2021. Yeah. Late Crazy. last season. Yeah. Late last season. Yeah. Last season. It was a long time ago, yeah. man. I, I really didn't think you were gonna come back. Yeah. I thought we lost you. No, forever. no, no, <laughs> no. Well, Aaron, we got a few a few questions for you. Okay. Um, but to start it off, we figure it's always nice to start with a little bit of, of an icebreaker. Okay. So, <laughs> Uh-oh. our warm up question to you: uh-huh. If you could fix the dunk contest without saying, "Have the superstars do it," how would you do it? Well, okay. So the every time there's a bad dunk contest, people overreact. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And then there's an, an amazing one. And oh, they love it again. So it's like anything else. It's just like the Super Bowl. You can have good Super Bowls and bad Super Bowls. So this year's one was really bad. And I didn't really pay much attention to it. It just seemed like every time I looked up, someone was missing a dunk. <laughs> well, like, I've, never, I've never I've never seen contest, they were yeah. all I've never seen people get seven, eight attempts to make a dunk. Exactly. Like for real? Like you're gonna you're gonna have someone attempt that many times in a dunk contest? So, that drives know, it's, me crazy, it's man. And then and then you make the eighth when everyone's supposed to go, Oh yeah. No, it's impressive when you <laughs> it's impressive when you make a tough dunk the first or maybe second time. Like cause the, the right. thing about Levine and Gordon that dunk contest so i've been watching dunk contests since the 80s right and so it takes a lot to impress me i'm not i'm just saying that because i've seen so many dunks right that dunk contest had me going oh shit did you see that like i don't do that very often (laughs) usually i'm just like oh that was a good dunk that was a good dunk Uh but like levine had one between legs he was kind of then aaron gordon doing stuff over the mascot it was like oh my god and my son was like little then and we were just freaking out and that was the first time i freaked out in a long time so here's what i would do though i think you should have to dip. first of all i think sometimes these guys well I, I know they practice some of them but sometimes i think they're like just coming out with it right there and that's just dumb you should really just take time out of practice and just really think about your routine and so you should have mm-hmm. to dip, almost like an ice skating you should have to declare your routine in advance and then the judges decide how many attempts you get to pull it off based on the complexity of it. So if it's a Ooh, high okay. end, so let's say it's a grade A dunk. It's like a marquee grade A dunk. You get three shots at it. And if it's a B level dunk, you get two shots at it. And if it's just a C level dunk, you get one shot at it. So if you miss it, you're, you're a C level dunk, you're screwed. And a C level dunk should be a dunk that for us would be a layup, right? Yeah, right. Now, so then you can decide though, on the A-level dunk, if you miss the first two, maybe you just go do a C-level dunk to make sure you get that dunk in. So that, that's sort of always mm. been my little thing for years. It was like, tier it 
and then a lot, a certain amount of attempts for each tier, and then you are awarded points by which one you hit. So if you do the A level dunk on your first try, that's going to boost your score naturally, et cetera, et cetera. But giving a guy an hour, whatever, how long is it? How long is it again? Like 90 seconds or something? I, I don't even think they had a time limit. Yeah, that, that's they? really, I don't know. Like I said, I barely pay attention this year. But yeah, that, to just have someone sit there, sit there and just try a dunk over and over and over it's just it just wears on you like god is it, did you see the video of kareem getting up and walking out walking i was out? just about to mention that <laughs> i'm like you know, we all were like, kareem kareem was like young mother i'm getting the hell out of so yeah anyway that would be that would be my idea it's like i skipped that's, i skipped my nap time for this exactly <laughs> watch this there's Punk no way i, I skipped it dunk. <laughs> Look, man, I I haven't seen. I mean, since since that Levine and Gordon dunk contest, I haven't seen a decent dunk contest. Well, what year was that? That was, was like four or five years ago, wasn't it? Something yeah, I like think, that. I, I mean, and then five years ago. And I want to say with the the Blake Griffin fiasco was before that, right? Like 2016. It was just I had stopped. I honestly had stopped watching the dunk contest because of. Dwight Howard and the Superman crap. Blake Griffin, like all that garbage. That was like, come on, man. Like any high schooler could have made that dunk. The That's one over stupid. the car. Like you jumped over, you jumped over a slanted hood of a car. Come on, man. Car. I could do that. Exactly. The, the, actual, <laughs> yeah. the actual length and elevation of his jump to clear that was nothing special. No, when they first pulled it out, I thought he was going to go over the cab part. Yes, that would have been impressive. I got pumped for that. That would have been, like, that oh been dope. But over the hood. I mean, I've seen right. Starsky and Hutch like, run and jump damn near over the hood, <laughs> chasing bad guys like, in that old 70s, 80s uh, cop you show. Get a, you get a golf clap at best for that. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's bad. That was all about that was marketing bad. the car. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what it had turned into for me, which is why I just stopped watching. Right. And honestly, furthermore, it just seems like the whole All-Star weekend is a cash grab. It has nothing oh, to do oh, with yeah. actual like. That's a given. <laughs> is there is there Aaron in your opinion? Well, yes, but in your opinion, is there any redeeming aspect to All Star Weekend? Redeem? Yeah, no, I, I think just getting the stars together and having them be there, and I think a three point contest. The three point contest still remains pure, I think, because you because that actually takes some skill. Well, dunking takes skill, but it's how you format it. But it, you, you'll get the best shooters in the three point contest. You're not getting the best dunkers. Or biggest stars. That's fair. Back in the day when you had Jordan, I remember Jordan Drexler, Dominique in one dunk contest. Oh, yeah. That was phenomenal, right? And Jordan mm -hmm. did, what, three? I think did he do three. I can't remember. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, and that, that's another problem with a dunk contest. Too. Like you said, don't they bring up the stars, but it, it doesn't matter. And like even Anthony, you know, Anthony said when I asked him or one of us asked him why he wasn't doing the dunk contest, he's like, eh, you know, it was just something on my list. I checked it off. And I kind of laughed. I go, oh, you were like, oh, dunk contest. I'm like, 21 years old, wins a dunk contest. Okay, that's done. I'm done with that. He should have been there. Okay, that's another thing. You should, it should be mandatory. You have to defend. The reigning champion should defend. defend. I agree. Because that way, at least, even if he wasn't a big name, he made a name for himself winning the dunk contest. So now people at least know who that person is. So bring him back to defend it. That at least gives you something. Can he win it again? Yeah, just make me just make me commission and everything will be good. And <laughs> Anthony would have won this year. Anthony would have won this year. You know how many sure. Oh, he would have won this year just oh, by for showing sure. up and Hands standing down. under the rim and jumping up and going like that. <laughs> <laughs> he would actually make a dunk. That's <laughs> true. The first try. <laughs> so I, I gotta ask you, I'm I'm gonna keep this going a little bit. What is your opinion on the mid season tournaments? 
that they're talking about doing. Mm-hmm. Hate it. <laughs> Ooh, really? Okay. Hate it. Just, I, it just seems weird to me. Why? I don't understand it. I mean, I, I haven't really seen what the incentive is to play it, but what if it was, I, I maybe two or three years ago, I had heard uh, Bill Simmons talking about it on his show, and he said something along the lines of having two tournaments and you have like the the lower half of the league playing in one, the upper half playing in the other, and you know one tournament would have guaranteed playoff seating, the other tournament would have like an extra pick or two or something in the draft. What do you think about something like that? Would that make it worth it? So you're playing for pick? Well, you know, if you're the low, maybe I can't remember exactly how he posted whether the it was teams, the upper half or the lower half the better teams playing going, for picks. Aren't the better teams going to get the pick then? So you're helping Possibly. the better teams get the pick? Possibly. The whole, the whole point of the draft is to give the worst teams the pick so you can create parity. You know? well, to create some parity, right? Yeah, absolutely. But what if the worst team does win and they get some extra picks? Well, that's not good. You don't want to help the extra team. Why not? You don't want to help the good team. No, no, no. The, the worst team. Oh, what well, if the worst team wins against the extra why picks? Why would the worst team like, Why would Houston win such a tournament right now? That that tournament involved, you know, uh, New Orleans. If New Orleans doesn't make the play, which they probably will now anyway. Even San Antonio. San Antonio smokes Houston. San Antonio gets better picks than Houston. I don't know. I don't I like think, it. Bah humbug. I, I think the one Stop that's like... <laughs> I think the one that's like currently being discussed right now is actually like a pools play, sort of like soccer, and it's almost like March Madness. And I think um, the winners get like a cash prize, and then it also has some other implications as far as um, as far as seeding in the playoffs. I forget. I think the the wins and losses it counts towards your record, but they want to replace All Star Weekend with this mid season tournament. I think it'd be a little fun, like March Madness style, just because anything could happen. I mean, NFL is like king because of disparity, right? And what's more, what has more disparity than March Madness? Like a one elimination game. I but mean, if the, play- if the Blazers were in it right now, I'd watch it. Just but to see how players, far they could get. But do players care about playing for picks? They would play for the money. But the players aren't going to care about the picks. The picks, right. Yeah. The players don't care. Because you might be That's picking true. someone to replace me. <laughs> I'm one of the players. I'm supposed to play hard and get an extra pick, and that pick could replace me, either as a yeah. starter or pick my minutes, or you end up trading me because you got someone else because I scored 35 in the pick championship game. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's get to like the let's get to the Blazers here. We no, got it's not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally your job. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's painful right now. Go ahead. I know. We, we want to talk about Dame Lillard. And if for anyone that's been living under a rock, basically, you know, during the offseason, it was reported that Dame was unsatisfied with how the Blazers were constructing a roster to, like, championships. Was, so people it wasn't started... reported. He said it. Yeah, absolutely. He said and, it, yeah. You know, that, that boosted some rumors in the offseason that maybe he's going to ask for a trade. And, you know, Chauncey Billups gets hired and Neil does some stuff to, like, reconstruct or reconstruct the roster. And then Dame doubles down on his commitment to Portland and is like, you know, I'm committed to Portland. I'm going to stay here. I like the roster, sort of. He said that. (laughs) And he also said he's had conversations with Chauncey, compared it with, like, compared his relationship with Portland to his now wife. He's like, you know, we've gone through ups and downs and 
you know, I've always committed. Now, Neil exits, Joe Cronin's promoted, three right. trades go by, Lillard's injured. These trade rumors, they keep creeping back into sports national media. And you've you've had the, the liberty of asking Dame questions, I, I, I would assume. And how do you think he's feeling right now? Do you have like an inkling of like, is he really still truly committed to Portland? Should the Blazers, should Blazer fans be worried about Dame exiting in the near future? So during the bubble, right when I had just taken over the beat, Dame was talking about this at, at that time. So I wrote a rather lengthy article basically looking at uh, how realistic it would be that Dame would stay in Portland for the rest of his career. And if you look at, I think I, I think I went back 50 years, and if you looked at the elite level players, there were only two who were elite level players who remained with their original team their entire career without winning a title. And that was Reggie Miller and John Stockton. Now, Patrick Ewing left when he was like 37. He was completely past his prime. So I kind of count that one because he was not a championship difference maker when he left. And then Dominique, right. same thing. He went and played somewhere for a little bit. So you can almost count that. But that's mm -hmm. four max. So the point being is that there are a lot of teams who played their entire, excuse me, a lot of players who played their entire career with one team when they won titles. But there's only four superstar players who did it without ever winning a title. So it was Dan going to be five, basically, was, was my question. And my theory at the time was that when he crosses 31, 32, if they're not contending, something's got, something's going to happen. Dame's either going to be like, I want to go win a championship, or the Blazers are going to be like, why are we paying this guy 50 million dollars a year and we can't win a championship? So that was sort of my prediction at the time. I caught a little bit of flack for it. Not a ton, but some, you know, I was called an idiot a couple times. But it's, to me, it was just like your, your biological clock as a superstar is going gonna, gonna to tick out on you at some point. And so, and my other thing was not, it wasn't about, Dame being disloyal to Portland or Dame leaving Portland. It was about Dame having a chance to win a championship and probably really wanting that. And so at the end of the day, if you're a Blazers fan, would you rather see Dame stay in Portland and not come close to ever winning a title or go somewhere else, where else and get a title like Drexler did? I would prefer to have Dame have that opportunity. So my thing was that at some point, something's going to give. And it just so happened that we got one year later and there was some shakiness. And of course, Dame came out and basically was saying pretty much what I was kind of predicting was going to happen was that he wants to win. So for me, his number one choice by far is win a championship in Portland. I think he'd rather win one championship in Portland than go to Brooklyn with Ben Simmons and Durant after they get rid of Kyrie and win three in a row. I think I honestly believe mm -hmm. he'd rather win the one here. But I think the number two option is to go somewhere else and win one as opposed to stay here. Well, I take that back, back up. I think the number two option would be to have a legit shot at winning one in Portland. Not you stack the roster, but just like you you have a shot. Like Milwaukee had a shot, they broke through, in part because the Nets had injuries, but the Suns had a shot, that kind of shot, where you at least have a look at one. If that happened, I think Dane would be content not or failing to do it in Portland, as long as he had a realistic shot. After that, I think mm -hmm. he absolutely would rather go somewhere else and win a title than stay in Portland and not have any shot at all. So, to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I vowed I'd never be like my dad until these long out journal stories get to my point. But I think I. But then you became a journalist. I think you just stay with me. I think you stay with me. a reward at the end. But anyway, to answer your original question, what, what, come, what it comes down to now is okay. He's already made grumblings once. He says he's still loyal to Portland, and he says he's cool with what's going on. 
But I guarantee you right here, right now, if at the end of the summer, he looked at the starting lineup and it's Simons, Nurk, Winslow, and Hart, I think he might be semi-okay, but I think he knows that team has no chance of contending at all. So then he might give them one more offseason because the freezing market is going to be way better in 23 than it is going to be this summer. Absolutely. And the, Bla the Blazers can do things monetarily to make sure they'll still have some flexibility next summer as well. But at the end of the day, if he sees that they have no chance to contend and this rebuild is going to take five years and be mainly about Ant in 2028, then I think he's going to ask out. Absolutely. And I don't blame him. He should. And the Blazers should want to move him. Why would you want to pay a guy $50 million a year when you have zero chance to contend? How do you even begin building around Ant if you got a guy making 50 <laughs> and you're in the luxury tax? <laughs> and, and, and he's going to push you so far into the luxury tax that you're going to be a repeater if you, if you resign him to that extension. You're going to end up being in the repeater yeah. tax. Mm -hmm. And for what? You almost be like, remember Kobe's last few years in LA? How much yeah. of a mess that was? So it just, to me, something's going to have to give. And again, it's like, and whenever you just mention the idea of trading Dan, it's like, oh my God, you can't say that. You see, like, <laughs> first went after poor Blazer's Edge yesterday, you know, recommending people block Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> then I read, I read the article. I'm like, this article is completely reasonable. And I agree with 90% of it. Like it's something that I've said in pieces over the time. But I, I just feel like at the end of the day, I think everyone should want to see Damien have a chance to win a title. And you prefer it to be important, but if that's not gonna happen, I think everybody involved, including him, should want him to go someplace else and have a chance to win one. And here's the other thing, he might go somewhere else, win one, and then come back at age 35 and be uh, slightly better than, you know, a good role player, but not still a star, and, and finish out his career in Portland as the third fiddle to Ant and someone else, and maybe he helps Portland win one in that way. I'm only making 15 mil instead of 55 or whatever it's going to be when you get right. to that point. So, I mean, you know, who knows? But that's what my feeling. I mean, I mean, it, it definitely seems like Portland is almost at a crossroads where they have to choose whether to move on from Dame and start building around Ant mm -hmm. or fully commit for the next, what, two, three years to build around Dame as much as they can with a new GM that might be able, be able to make something happen more so than what Neil O'Shea did or did not do. So it's it's an interesting predicament that they're in. I don't, I'm not so sure it's a bad place to be because on one hand, you've got your star already. On the other hand, you've got a budding superstar in the making. I mean, I don't want to say superstar yet, but I mean, he, he looks like it from time to time. He could be. Right. No. So it's, it's an interesting situation that the Blazers are in. Um, I did. I want. I wanted to. I kind of wanted to pick your. Not to move on too fast, but okay. I kind of wanted to pick your brain about those trades. Well, let me, well, let, so, well, let me throw something out real quick. Well, no, go ahead. Yeah, this, yeah. This ties to the trade, so go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, honestly, all I want to know is as these trades are rolling in, mm -hmm. walk me through your thought process because I know I know how we felt as fans, and I know how the the Twitter universe was taking it. Everybody knows how how that went. That first trade comes through. You get rid of Norman Powell and Rocco, and you get back essentially nothing. Nah, you, got, you got a first round, a player taken in the first round. Yeah, but Keon. but Keon. you got you got nobody meaningful really. In the in the now, yes, right. Yes, right. In, in in the in the short term, right. in the in the immediacy of it. Right. 
Walk me through your thought process as a professional in the industry. <laughs> okay. So I just tweeted this a little bit ago at Dwight. Me and Dwight were going at it a little bit. If I don't argue with Dwight once every six months, I go through withdrawal. I've known Dwight. Since, <laughs> we, I've known Dwight. We gotta we gotta years. talk about Dwight for I've a known second. You sound, <laughs> you sound like you sound like me and Tim. Me and Tim oh, will yeah. get into an <laughs> argument, so we gotta take breaks. Dwight and I were arguing when I was a sports clerk at the Oregonian and he was covering the Blazers. Uh, so it's always fun to mix that with him. But anyway, um, the worst thing that this franchise has done in the last 10 years to me was overachieve in 2015-16. Because they were Vegas had them 21 and a half wins. They, they won 44, I think. They beat the Clippers in the first round because the Clippers had some guys hurt. Once you get in the playoffs, the draft staff doesn't really matter that much. But the point is, they were supposed to stink. And had they gotten a top three pick and gotten Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, or Brandon Ingram, the last six years would have been completely different. Because you would have had one of those mm -hmm. guys with CJ still on the team and with Dane. So, right. so given all that's happened this year with this team, it was like the NBA gods just said, we're going to open up the skies for the Blazers to fly toward tanking and do so in a situation where it's pretty legit. I mean, you got an abdomen problem, you got a collapsed lung, you got all yeah, no guys. kidding. It's just you're at two and eleven in December, and it's just a, it's just a, it's just a shit show. It's like, crazy. It's, it's, like, it's crazy. I was it's like, like the wait. curse is helping us. Yeah. What's crazy is I was I was like looking at that situation with all the injuries, and I was like, wait, but Nurk is healthy. Yeah, and well, then well, right. and then, and then it breaks, right? It right, breaks that right. it's not healthy anymore. <laughs> Anyway, so go ahead. I was I was already in the early January, like or over Christmas break, saying they need to blow this up. They need to take advantage. They need to take it. And I also knew from you know some conversations with some people that that uh you know that people felt like okay, they they would have a shot to make some noise this year. I had them winning fifty games. And I stand by that because they won forty two last year with CJ and Nurk missing sixty. And that was 42 out of 72. So you're adding 82. So 10 more games. I can't get eight more wins and 10 more games if Damon, if CJ and Nurk are healthy and then power the whole season. And if Chauncey has any impact on the defense, I think 50 was realistic. But it all blew up. One, because Dame, Dame was an absolute negative the first few weeks of the season. Like literally, had they not played Dame the first 15 games of the season, they probably would have had a winning record. That's how bad he was on some nights. And he admitted himself. He said after Cleveland, like, if I was playing my normal stuff, we would have won this game. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You would have. He said you went 10 for 30, right? So anyway, yeah. Um, so that that problem, and then the injuries kicked in, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, my thing was like, oh my God, this is like perfect. Blow this bad boy up. Because I was always against the Dame CJ marriage. You know, when when CJ break, broke through in 15, 16, I remember on, being on Talking Ball, on on NBC Sports Northwest, they made me do it in the summers, even though I was a football guy. But anyway, I remember saying over and over again, Portland will never win a championship with those two as your best two players. And people looked at me like I was a space alien. I'm like, okay, let's go through NBA history. How many teams have won a championship with their best two players being small guards in the last 50 years? One. One. Bad boy Pistons. And Dumars was an elite defender. Are one of these guys elite defenders? No. They also were backed by what? One of the greatest defensive front courts ever. So right. the odds of you being the franchise is going to change that in an era where players are going to play with their BFS all over the place are infinitesimal. Mm -hmm. Like, forget the fact, even if those two were good enough to maybe do it, how are you going to beat Curry, Clay, and Durant? <laughs> how are you going to beat LeBron and, and AD? Like, there's just too many marriages going on that just made it too difficult. So anyway, I thought they should have broken that thing up a long time ago if they couldn't get a third guy who was at worst as good as CJ, but had length. 
you know, an actual six, seven, six, mm-hmm. eight guy, whatever. So the idea that you were going to contend with three small guards as your best three players, like, no way, no. <laughs> I asked Neil last spring after they fired uh, O'Shea, fired, fired, stop, sorry. I asked him, are you concerned about having three small guards? And he's like, well, you guys keep saying Dame's a small guard. He's a regular size, but point guard. I'm like, come on, you know what I mean. You got three guards. Okay, I know. Way to deflect. I know, right? Seriously. Well, technically. But now, now I think think that given what was available, I think Neil rolled the dice on that situation, hoping. But there there was no way. Like, there's no way that was going to work. So now you're given an opportunity to blow it up and do so in a situation where you're not purposely blowing up something that was working, you're destroying something that was already imploding. And so mm-hmm. when you got to the first, so I knew it, I knew they were gonna try and go out and get like talent for talent that fit, but I also believed it was gonna be tough to do that because you were trying to dump salary. So when you go out there with a Norman Powell, Fans are like, oh, Norman Powell, Norman Powell. He's 18, three and three. He's infinitesimally, wait, what's the word? Infinite, what am I the word? I was, was going to say, you got to use a different word. You already used that one. Uh, infinite, sorry, infinite, infinitely replaceable. <laughs> infinitely replaceable Norman Powell. Like, what do you think about the league, the way the league is? I mean, guards are a dime a dozen. Exactly. He's a six three. He's good. If he's your sixth man, you might be a contender. If he's your starting small forward, next to two other small guards, you got no chance of contending. And we all saw against Denver. He was guarding Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. I mean, he he put forth a good effort, but he was guarding Michael Porter Jr. And then Damon CJ were getting torched by Rivers, Compazzo, and some other guy. Right? Mm -hmm. And then in the last four minutes of game six, Denver's sending two taller guys taller than Dane at him because of what he did Mm -hmm. in game five. And no one else can step up. You don't have that six foot seven, long, rangy wing who's going to create shots and do things anyway. So it's tough to get equal value for Powell. And so the value you're trying to get is to get them off your books. Get those four years, 74 million off your books so you can use that money to spend on someone else later. So if the other team knows that's what you're doing, they're not going to also give you first round picks. Right. They've got you over a barrel. Also, there were a bunch of other two guards in the league out there available. So the Blazers are out there like, hey, you guys want Norman Powell? He's amazing. And teams are like, why are you trying to get rid of him then? Oh, no reason. We love him. You want to give us a couple first round picks? Why would I do that? He's going to make $74 million over the next four years. I'm going to pay that for a six foot three combo guard. He's not even really a combo guard because he doesn't play point guard. Well, but, you know, he's a great guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> they know what you're coming for. They know what you're trying to do. They're going to hold you over a barrel and be like, huh, you want to get rid of that $74 million? No, 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 no lie. Cronin's like, okay, you're right. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll hook you up. I'll, I won't give you a first-round pick, but I'll give you a guy I took in the first round who's got a 48-inch vertical. And... <laughs> I'll give you this Bledsoe contract, which you can buy out for $4 million or trade it before you buy it out. It's a trade piece for you. And if you're Cronin, you're like, that's the that's the best I can do. Because now I'm yeah. not getting an, a ready-made asset, but I'm getting a, a vehicle to use to get the asset that I want. So you're making a, a, tr- a power trade for what you want just in a roundabout way. So I was like, I totally get it. And I even wrote an article explaining why they were doing what they were doing. 
while people were just freaking out. Like it was hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't believe people on Twitter. And then my brethren in the media, oh my God, the whining people were doing people that I, that I'd known for decades who were just freaking out. I'm like, do you not pay attention to the NBA? Like there's no way people are gonna give you equal value for Norman Powell. It's never made sense. So that, that was my reaction to the first trip. Well, and and I think people also thought that maybe this was the only move that was going to be right. Exactly, like like this was the beginning of the movie, right? This was Luke. This is Owen. His uncle Owen was killed. You you got Star Wars people. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Uncle Owen and what was the aunt's name? My God, Ruth. I can't remember. They were killed, and people thought, "Oh my God, this is the movie. It just ended right here with this. This is all." No. That was the first third. Now he's going off on his journey, journey to become a Jedi. It was the same thing. This was trade one of what was going to be a huge tapestry of moves over the next probably 18 months. And people didn't mm-hmm. like grasp it. It was just incredibly, it was, I, I, it was really bizarre to me how many people just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that Keon Johnson's going to be a Jedi. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. no, I think he's calling <laughs> Joe Cronin oh, a Joe Jedi. Cronin. Oh, that's right. There we go. <laughs> Joe Cro- oh, I'm down with that. I'm Cronin, definitely Joe down Cronin with that. just that's, began that's more his, his Padawan learning. Cro- Cronin's Obi Wan <laughs> and Keon is. See, you know, but like, like it's funny because people say, "Oh, Keon, he's nothing." Average four points again. I'm like, what was what was Simon's? What was a Nasir? Absolutely, absolutely. And they were right. all they were all in the 20s as well. And I'm not saying Keon's going to be those guys. But dude is an athletic freak. Have you guys watched his highlights? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's got now, potential. Point, well, and, and yeah, they're just some guys that just need to be given the chance right. and maybe even put in the right system. If he had been a polished shooter who shot forty percent from three and was a polished scorer and had a bunch of different shots, he would have gone twenty-one. He would have gone right. seven. So right. mm-hmm. don't cry about oh he's not this and that. Well, you never would have gotten him. He'd be starting for the Clippers, and they never would have traded for Powell because they already had a guy better than Powell. So they just so you have to be realistic. He said he's an asset in terms of that he has potential, and you're rolling the dice on it. But the biggest asset is that Bledsoe contract and getting Powell off your books because he doesn't fit what you need. Period. Yes, it's true. And yes, you know, and of course, one piece. One piece that I like in that <laughs> trade, though, is actually Justice Winslow. I, I actually really like that kid. Amen. So, yes. Great point. So, yeah. So, hidden in that situation, I'm glad you reminded me of that, was Winslow. And so, I remember, like, so, Billups said a lot of different things about a lot of different players that they traded for. Like, I remember mm-hmm. him insisting that Nikhil Alexander Wilson? Walker. I can't remember. Walker, Walker. Walker. Oh, he got potential. He's this, that, that, that. And I was like, come on, John. <laughs> you can't see my face right now. But I get a little side, a little, little side, smack my lips a little bit like, what you talking, what you talking about, Chauncey? So the next day they traded him. Yeah. <laughs> that was him making with, a sale, with, man. He was making with, a sale. Uh, yeah. yeah. With Tomas for a second round pick and Elijah Hughes who barely played and Ingles' expiring contract with a bad knee. And then Cronin sat there with a straight face and said, we value his bird right. No, who knows? They might actually bring back Ingles. I don't know, but I, I just can't see it. Anyway. I can't see it. So my, my point being is that wondered in those days if what he was saying was real, right? But then you saw Winslow play and do all the things that Chauncey likes. He hustles, he bangs, he's not scared of anything. Not a very good shooter. His stroke is really kind of, uh, but he can score around the rim. He plays physical. But he also, he also looks like Nasir Little last year. 
Yeah, you can say that. But he's but he's been in the league a long time. You'd expect him to be a better shooter by now. Tenth, you know. So his shooting maybe some people it just takes a little longer. Yeah, I know. It's been six years. But we'll see. We'll see. Um <laughs> But he defends. So and, and then and yeah. then um you saw the heart he had. So I I actually mm-hmm. believe that in Billups' mind, he's got a guy that if they don't package him as a contract in another deal. It's going to be a valuable reserve for them because he can play the three, he can play the four, he can defend Chauncey Breach, he can defend one, two, four, I'll at least say two, three, four, maybe, depends on who it is. Mm-hmm. And he, he fits in what you want as a bench guy. So there's some value in that, definitely. That's, that's actually exactly what I was just telling Roe the other day. Like, that's exactly how I feel about him. Now, you mentioned the third trade already, but I don't want to skip over this second move here because it may be the biggest move at the trade deadline we ship off cj larry nance and tony snell and we get some pieces we get a josh hart which he's quickly becoming a fan favorite i mean the guy the guy's been a decent player for a while now um we got some some second round picks a first round protected pick what what's going through your mind at this point well, my fantasy had been that they would somehow flip CJ and, and stuff, maybe Nasir and picks for Ben Simmons. I was a big proponent of trying to get Ben Simmons. There's the reports out there that maybe that very deal was on the table, but Neil O'Shea turned it down. I don't know how true that is. I think that Houston ultimately got the guy they wanted. I think Ben Simmons pretty much went kind of where he wanted to go, and he's got a chance now to go on, on a revenge tour. Like, I'm team Ben and everything. I think they should have been like crap. Uh, I think people mm-hmm. have bad series. People have you don't you don't throw people under the bus who are 25 and that talented because they had a bad series. I don't believe. And so if he, you know, if he is what he probably thinks he is, and he held out like he held out, I give him credit for giving up that money. He needs to go out and bust some ass. Like he needs to just go off. And, and well, he needs to play first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He needs to come back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he out now. He it's not, now the balls in his court because he's playing with Kyrie. He's playing mm-hmm. with Durant. He has a chance legitimately to win a championship now. And they might get matched up with Philly in the playoffs. Oh my God, how amazing would that be, right? Yeah, that would be <laughs> I mean, I'm just like... Actually, actually, before you, you finish that thought, I need to know... So, Ro and I have a running bet right now. We do. He thinks that Brooklyn won that trade and that they're going to end up going further than uh, the 76ers. I think the opposite. Absolutely. Where are you sitting on Oh, that? I'm with him. Absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. Yes. Really? I know I like yeah. to, Aaron. But I knew I like to. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, because yeah. you have so many unknowns with that team, though. You've got Kyrie Irving, which you don't even know if he's going to be able to play. You've got uh, injuries. I mean, well, the, okay, yeah. you don't even, if, Ben if, Simmons hasn't even played yet. Yeah. If, if Kyrie can't play, then that's going to be a problem. And that was my thing last year. If they were healthy last year, I believe they wouldn't the But they weren't. And they lost a seven-game series with Kyrie missing, what, four and a half games? And then... Hard and limping through the series, I think he missed. Right, so right. so you're so, thinking that, so that this so, year's going to be different? Right, that so, they're going to be healthy? Well, if you're taking if that if that's a factor in your equation, you're thinking if you're thinking they're not going to win it because of or they're not going to be better in Philly because of injuries, then that to me is a different discussion than who's going to be better at the plan. So I, I and not to mention Embiid is playing out of his mind. I know, but I just and again maybe I'm giving Ben too much credit, but I'm put if, I, if I'm the Nets, I'm putting Ben Simmons on Harden like they had Ben Simmons on Trey Young. And Trey Young did not have a very good shooting series. People forget that he shot poorly in that series. I'm putting Ben, Har- or ben Simmons on Harden. And who's guarding Durant? Who's guarding Kyrie? And I mean, plus, it's, I got it's, it's a good Curry. point. I got if Seth Kyrie's Curry. playing. I got Seth Curry, too? As a spot-up I shooter? Mean, How open is that kid going to be the entire series? With Kyrie, Durant, 
and Ben Simmons' passing ability and ability to, to get down in the paint and do some damage when he wants to shoot. I'm not saying you don't make good points. <laughs> I'm just saying there are so many unknowns You're with right. the Brooklyn Nets right. that there aren't with the 76ers. Now, not to take away from the fact, though, that there's a high probability that Joel Embiid gets injured and it's over. Or, you know, I, or or um, James James Harden kind of breaks down in the playoffs and also like, like bad coaching flubs by Doc Rivers because he does that right. every single playoffs as well. How many years has Steve Nash been coaching, though? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. I think your, like, your, concerns, your concerns are 100% legit. I just think if everyone's healthy and playing, I'm, I'm team Nets on that. All right, you want in on this bet then? What's the bet? What's the bet? Hundred bucks. But I need. But I need. I need some caveats. I'm, I'm... There's no caveats. Nah, nah, there's no not, caveats. If someone, if someone blows the knee, you, then they're gonna lose. I'm not. You I'm not put a hundred bucks in the pool if they make it. If the Nets make it further than the Sixers, you got a hundred bucks. Aaron, Aaron definitely sounds like me because I was trying to add all the caveats as possible. <laughs> I was That's why I'm saying you want to add some caveats. Happens. You're obviously wrong. If Kyrie <laughs> hops on a jet to the moon, the bet's off. <laughs> For the 76ers, what I was saying is that I actually like the team better when it was J.J. Redick, um, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and you're not wrong. Tobias Harris, and Embiid. And they couldn't win with that squad. So you think this team without some of those pieces and now James Harden's going to be better. I don't, I don't buy it, man. Don't M- buy it. Embiid's having an MVP season. True. That's true. That's true. It's, it's going to be an amazing series. Please, Lord, let it happen. Please. Yes. Yes. I know. I really, I, I really do. It, it was, I really do hope that happens. The drama. Okay. So back. So anyway, so back to CJ. Back so to that places. was my fantasy. Yes. That was my fantasy. That didn't happen. I was told that CJ's value tr- dropped dramatically, even before the collapse long. Um, mm-hmm. so again, it's a situation where, okay, we want Ant, and Ant emerges, obviously starting with the first game against Atlanta in January. <clears throat> so Ant emerges as a guy who's going to give you scoring. He's another small guard. So at that point, really you're four of your best five players are small guards. <laughs> We've already decided that two, <laughs> three and four is not, or two, two and three is not a good thing. So you got CJ who everyone loves and he's a, he's a great guy. He was fun to cover. Um, but he makes $33 million and he's redundant. He just is like he's just a redundant player for what you need. So again, you're going out on the market. Here's Cronin. I'm gonna go out on the market and try and trade CJ McCollum, <laughs> and the two years, sixty-six million dollars remaining on his contract. And every team out there was like, "I got an old Dodge out back. I'll give you that." Because you just want to clear that. Because you just want to clear the contract, right, Cronin? No, no, he's amazing. Why do you want to trade him? He's so amazing. Because you got three other guys just like him. No, no, no. I just traded one, so I only had two like him now. Uh, no, it's because he makes sixty-six million dollars, and if I'm gonna put thirty-three million dollars into another guy on my team, I want him to be six, seven, or six, eight, and have length and do some things to be disruptive on defense and be able to finish and do certain things that CJ just can't do. So, I think again, teams knew that, and I think I think what he going out and getting a lottery pick. Well, it's not a lottery pick yet. I right. think it's going to be though. If you get a lottery pick and you shed that salary, and then you get back a guy in heart who's got tremendous salary flexibility because his contract next year is not guaranteed. Then he has a player option. I think they're going to figure out a way to resign him. Or you have a a, a, uh, a contract that's probably pretty tradable if you need it to get something else, right? Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and up minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void or prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. All right, so anyway, so Chrono's out there trying to make this deal and teams are holding them over a barrel. So... To me, you get a lottery pick, you get a heart, a heart, the guy you like. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good, you know, get for them. And heart, heart's not the polished, like McCollum's repertoire of of, of uh, scoring uh, ability, the things he can do, his handles, that that elbow jumper, which I just love. It's one of the reasons why I just love what DeRozan is doing in Chicago because I hate the idea you have to shoot threes or nothing. Uh, the mid range game to me should matter. Um, regardless of math, <laughs> but um, he just, he, you just don't, he just doesn't fit if you're going to have Dame and, and Ant in your backcourt, which is going to be a whole different set of problems, by the way. But Hart gives you a six foot five guy, a little bit bigger, and he's just more of a, a tenacious guy. He's, a, he's, he plays tougher on defense, et cetera, et cetera. And he's another guy that Phillips loves. And I don't think it was any coincidence that they won those four games playing the way they were playing because they had two, they added two guys that fit what Phillips wants to do. And so in the end, even though CJ is probably a better player than Hart, Hart fits more what Phillips wants and he already has two small guards who can, who can score their asses off in Dane and uh, my boy Ant. Therefore, CJ becomes extendable. Now for CJ though, if Zion ever comes back, CJ's in a way better situation. I think I tweeted something like Dane would be envious of CJ's situation. Because he's right. playing with two long, big, athletic guys. I'd rather yeah. be CJ right now than Dan. Because Portland wants those guys. Portland would kill for right. Brandon Ingram. They would right. kill for Zion, assuming he's healthy. CJ's playing with two guys like that. The Pelicans should be a threat if, if Zion comes back and it's Zion. So CJ, to me, landed in a great spot. And Portland's in a situation now because they also got the trade exception. That's a nice little $21 million nugget, right? So, again, it sucks from a heartstring standpoint, but from a practicality standpoint and trying to rebuild and reload this thing, it made sense. And one other thing, too, you know, as much crap as people give Neil Olshay, and one of the things was always he didn't draft well. And I was always like, oh, I think he's drafted pretty well, and the jury's still out of Ant Nasir. I think the emergence of Ant Nasir kind of solidified the fact that he did a really good job drafting over the years. The Zach Collins pick didn't work out, but that's injuries. You can't really, to me, you can't blame injuries. But Ant is legit, and Nasir, at the very least, is going to be a really good uh, rotation player or maybe even a legit starter. I think probably he's going to be their starting three moving forward. So the fact that you have those two young guys, this to get back to the point I was going to make earlier, but I didn't, is that you have two tracks going right now. And I asked Cronin about this. You have two tracks. You have one build around Dane, and then you have another. If that doesn't work out, shift gears. And I've got them building around. If people can see me right now, I'm doing things with my hands like they're lanes. <laughs> <laughs> I get animated. It's like sometimes. judo chopping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got these. So I feel like I'm at Benihana. <laughs> like a bad <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. 
<laughs> okay, but imagine, imagine if, like we talked about earlier, if Dame sees a team that's not going to win right away and says, I want out, and you're the Blazers, you're like, okay, and you can flip Dame into a young star, I'm not sure who, and some picks, and then start a rebuild with young star picks, Nasir, Ant, your high pick this year, which is where tanking comes in, and then you can get that lottery pick from the Pelicans. Oh my God, that's a great, and you have oodles of cap space. That's a great it's starting a great off start. point to rebuild a, around Ant, Nasir, and that hopefully your top five pick. Or mm-hmm. you do get the guys you want moving around and you're able to build around Dane and Ant and Nasir are more, not background, but they're more like your fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth options on a contending team. So. Mm-hmm. Now, to piggyback off what you were just talking about, say they they choose to go down that dame route you know they're, they're taking the dame path okay mm-hmm. they're taking the next two or three years to stay on that on that track right do do you think that the blazers have to get another superstar in order to be in contention for a championship i mean i guess the first way of answering that would be what else is out there like what, what in terms of contending team what, what do the other contending teams look like if they look stacked, you'd better be stacked, right? Um, if they're not as stacked, if things fall apart in uh, Brooklyn and everything goes south, like you say it might, you know, and they may get, get rid of Kyrie. <laughs> and then if, if LA can't get his act together with LeBron and AD and they're done, and Kyrie or, or not Kyrie, uh, Curry and Clay, that's not working. You know, I mean, then, yeah. then maybe you just need one other star. I mean, not a superstar, but I think they need someone who's at least all star caliber have a shot and the person just had like they just need to me whenever you watch them lose in the playoffs i feel like you see that they just don't have that impact length and it's, mm-hmm. and it's basketball you know what i mean and even though the three-point is, is huge it's just the, the ability to to uh to be disruptive with your length or create shots and finish with your length you're talking about maybe four or five possessions a game that flip and that could be the difference between winning and losing and and to me that denver series you know, they just, when those guys penetrated, they could get to the hole, but how many times did Powell or, or Dame or CJ have to alter their shots so much to get it over a Ben Gordon or a Michael Porter or a Jokic to where you're not, you're still making some because you're great, but you're missing a couple or they're blocking a couple. Whereas on the other end, Gordon is going inside. Who's, who's guarding them? Mm-hmm. Covington? That's a dunk. Who's who's Porter not going to raise? If Porter gets the ball, he's, he's going to raise over anyone you have on the floor, except for Nurk. And of course, if it's Nurk's on him, he's going to go right by. So like those little length moments just kill you. And so that's that's what they need. So to me, like Jeremy Grant, he's not great. His numbers in Detroit are not impressive. His shooting numbers are. But he but he fits the mold. He fits, and yeah. his shooting numbers I think would all shoot back up, like they were in, in Denver when he was shoot, I think one year he shot thirty nine from three. It was only three and a half threes a game. But now he's in Detroit shooting six something a game, and he's only shooting thirty two percent because he's the guy on a crap team. Mm-hmm. So, but if he comes to Portland with Dame, Ant, Nasir, someone else, Hart, Nurkic, now he's just one of the guys. Now he's getting open looks, he's getting lobs, he's you know what I mean. And now all his shooting percentages go up, and you have a six eight, rangy, athletic guy who could do a lot of things that that CJ and Norm will never be able to do. So, right. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, our, our roster looks completely different and the future is like totally unknown. But who are some guys that you think the Blazers just have to keep? 
like on the on the roster currently? Oh, that's a tough one. It's crazy, man, because what um, we were counting at practice the other day, eight players are gone. There's only one. Well, with Nurk being hurt and, and Nasir and Dan, there's only one player standing from the original nine-man rotation, and that's Ant. There's not right. one starter standing. As a matter of fact, in uh, in Milwaukee, Milwaukee has a fan section, which is almost like like a uh, not. It's, it's like a they're. They were more middle-aged, maybe 30-year-old, but they were almost like a college. They were acting like they were college kids. And they were yelling chants and stuff. And they chanted at Nurkic, last starter, left, last starter, left. <laughs> <laughs> but then but then Milwaukee goes out and wins with the last with only one starter left, right? Oh, so you don't have like like so the whole team is completely different. It's wild. You, you, I joked um that uh I can't remember. Some the one one game where like Nurkic was out there with a bunch of younger youngsters, it was almost like Nurkic was like going to buy alcohol for a bunch of kids <laughs> at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> uh, the other night, I tweeted that a summer a summer league game broke out because it was three guys out I there saw that, that I tweet. saw in summer league. <laughs> Literally, right. I saw them in summer league um, when I was down there. Uh, so it's just it's just a, a team loaded with young guys. So for me, like the only guys though that I would say next year I would keep for sure. I mean, they signed Trendon. He's getting two years guaranteed. I think they like his potential at the very least. If he's your 11th guy, I think you're 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 cool with that. I think Greg Brown has tremendous potential. He's he's his skills have made a lot of work. He's so long. He's so athletic. That guy. He's so explosive. That guy is so interesting. And he's such a cool kid. Oh my god, yeah. I love talking to him. He's so nice. He's so cool. I really hope that he develops it and keeps getting better. Because to me, he's like one of these guys where. From an athletic standpoint, from a length and, and body standpoint, he's a lottery guy. He just has to develop the skill. He shot. He took a jump shot the other day from the elbow and like hit the other rim on the. We talked about that on our last on show. The other side, you know what I mean? Yes. But I've seen him in warmups, like his one-on-one workouts, where he, you know, he's draining threes. But again, that's there's no pressure. But at least he's demonstrating right. the potential to maybe develop into a shooter. But I like him a lot. Do you, Do you think he has the foot speed to play the three? I don't know. I don't know. Like Because that's where I want to see him. I know. That would be ideal. I don't know. It, it's tough to say. Um, he may just end up being like a really skinny four. But but he's also a kid. Like, he's going to put on weight. You know, I mean, he's going to put on spike. You know, yeah. But that. see, see my, my issue, I, I don't want to say it's an issue with Greg Brown, but the problem that I see with Greg Brown is he's, if he's going to play the four, it's more of the same. It's more, he seems undersized at the four. What is he like? Six, seven, six, eight? No, he's six, nine. I, I, is he six, nine? Is he, I thought it was six, or seven six, for some reason. I, I'm going to say six, eight. I'm, get, I'm guessing six, eight. Let me look it up. Okay. Go ahead. Call it six, eight, six, nine. I'll look it up. I mean, for me, for me, I'm more of a an old school guy. So I like the big power fours. Like, give me a, a six, Tim Duncan. Six, give nine, me... six, nine on reference. Oh, six, nine. Six, nine. Okay. So he's six, nine. But he's he's scrawny, right? Like what you said, if he can put on some some weight, okay, that makes sense. But as he is, he just looks like he could he could do some damage at the three if he had that foot speed and if he had that jumper. NBA.com has him at six seven. See there. You so go. this is a depends okay. on what shoes he's wearing. <laughs> okay, so so what if he develops into someone like a John Collins? He's skinny. Yeah, I mean that's that would be great. I just I don't know if he develops into a John Collins. I don't think his his archetype is John Collins. Well, fine then. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, his, I just just because his athleticism is is so amazing, like yeah. you want to see someone like that play more of a, a wing versus that low post threat, right? Like he he's not really a low. Well, post I wouldn't threat. I wouldn't consider him a, a power forward low post threat. I consider him more of a stretch for athletic athletic guy <clears throat> with maybe some inside moves. But you, yeah, if you want Tim Duncan. Because those just grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> Name the yeah, last I'm not Duncan saying they do. I'm just saying. Name the last I'm just Duncan saying since from, Tim Duncan. Though. Can you name one? From, from what I see, from what I see from Greg Brown, like I want to see him thrust into that that small forward position. Like I like want to see like if he, he can he even match Ingram? up with the quick guys. Like if he was like a Brandon Ingram. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I just, yeah, I, you know, and maybe he's just being a tweener and you do what you do with him. But so those two... Um, but then he's just a Robert Covington all over again. Well, if he's a, if he's a Robert Covington, that's I mean, it's not like Robert Covington's not a valuable player. He's not, but he's not. He didn't. You give him a right. second round. You make a fair point, but I'm just saying, like, that's not the type of player that we need on on this team, in my opinion, <clears throat> oh, as no, it's Greg, currently constructed. Greg Brown is not a factor in contending by any stretch of the in the next three years. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not talking but, about him that. As far regard. as like a role player, because I still hold steadfast that Nasir Little is the starting three on this team. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, I. To me, and he's gonna be until he leaves. To me, if they get the players that they want to get the next this offseason and next offseason, Greg Brown's not seeing the court on a contender until like he's 23, 24. Like I, I do not think Greg Brown's gonna be ready to be a contributor to, if they're le- trying to become a legit contender. Nor do I think Watford will be. If LB sticks around mm-hmm. him or even Keon. Keon might be a backcourt defensive stopper who plays 15 minutes a game, maybe. But um, yeah, the rest of them. I'm calling like, it no. I'm calling it right now. Ro and I were having a discussion earlier today. Uh CJ Ellaby is the next Clay Thompson. <laughs> we did not say that. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> the next oh, I, I don't I don't want to throw too much shade at our players, but come on, man. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not gonna happen. No. Speaking of Clay Thompson, though, yeah, let's let's move on to a little bit of a comparison. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with the 2012 Warriors team, but it kind of seems like the Blazers are in a similar situation that they were in, where they had Monte Ellis and Steph Curry, a couple of guys that basically played there, there was too much redundancy and that's where the blazers were with cj and dane right do you see any comparisons between those these two teams and do you think that the blazers might be able to parlay this situation into a situation that the golden state warriors have found themselves into well the one big difference is that, that roster i'm looking at it right now they already have Clay thompson and draymond green on the roster I think that was the year that they drafted Draymond Green. Is that yeah. right? They, they yeah, drafted Draymond those two, those two and were Harrison Barnes yeah. that year. And Clay Thompson was the year before, yeah. And then right. yeah, Clay was the year before. So they already had yeah. so the, their big three. Two, all three of them were on the roster already when they made the decision to move on. Yeah, Clay was not playing very much. Right, but isn't that part of the reason why they got rid of Montez? Exactly, up but now we have Ant. We traded right. CJ and opened up time for Ant. Right. So the, the again the only difference though is again, and it's not six seven, 
yeah that's true that's a good point i i wanted to bring this up because earlier in in this show you had mentioned that the the dame and ant pairing opens up a whole new set of issues right so i asked at the press conference for the trade deadline i think i I think it was a question i threw up in the air and bill was like is that for me i'm like it's forever i'm just throwing it up there and one of y'all can grab it but (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's what i said when i asked this question i'm like okay so tj's gone you no longer have that backcourt duo, small backcourt combo guard. Now you got Ant. <clears throat> and Ant's not necessarily an elite defender, although I think he at least tries. And he's working at it, and I think he's going to get stronger, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what do you still have again? You got two really good scoring small guards. <laughs> and I would say that they're your best two players moving forward right now, depending on who you trade or sign for. Sign. So that's, you're right back in the same situation in terms of your backcourt not being very good defensively. And so Billups' answer was, well, it depends on what you put around it. Now, the defense in the year they went to the uh, Western Conference Finals, I think they finished top 10, didn't they, in defensive rating that year? They did. And they had Mo Harkless, yeah. and they had Aminu. Like, they mm-hmm. had like, defensive-minded, long-rangey guys around. And then um, that was, they added Nurk, but then Nurk got hurt. But um, <clears throat> his point was that they need to make sure they put guys around those two to protect them on defense. Nasir is someone who fits that mold. And then a guy who plays the power forward who gives you some athleticism and defensive ability would be the other guy. So maybe you protect those two, but at the end of the day, you could argue, well, if I'm protecting those two, I could have protected Dame and CJ, right? But again, CJ makes $33 million and you're not going to give Ant, what's Ant going to get, 18 to 20? Yeah. He'll probably get 20. I think he'll easily get 20. So 20, 40 something for Dame. Obviously you couldn't keep CJ, but so yeah, I, I just think that to me that gives me pause. So for me, ideally, <laughs> let's just say <laughs> this is Keith Jeremy Grant. You know the other fantasy with some Sabonis. I'm one, and I, I haven't had. Yeah, I don't like that though. You didn't like Sabonis. I I, I like Sabonis, oh, I'm saying, but he's injury prone too. No, I know, but like the the, the fantasy I threw out there was like you do something to get Sabonis, but I think I felt like Indiana would want Ant, and I would not do that. Um, the Blazers, I don't mm-hmm. think, would do that. They obviously took Halliburton, who's obviously really good. But anyway, um, so let's just say Grant's the guy. So for me, I'd rather see the Blazers go Dame, Hart, Nasir, Grant, Nurk, and then Ant comes off the bench at the backup one and two. And Hart is your backup three, starting two, backup three. So you have four guys in Ant, Dame, Hart, Nasir playing three positions. Those three positions have available, what, 100 and... 44 minutes, so there's 96, 130, 144, yeah. 144 minutes available, divided by four, that's basically 31 each. You can mix it up however you want to mix it up. To me, Nasir probably falls down a little bit because he's being backed up by Hart. Hart's probably going to play a bit more than Nasir. He's going to play the two, and can play the two, and can play the one with uh, Dame out, or even Dame can slide to the two. But my point is that Ant still gets 30 plus minutes a game in that scenario. Now, some people will say, well, but Ant's, is Ant going to want to come off the bench? I asked him, uh, for the feature I'm doing, and he said he would be fine with it. But what people Ooh. say and what people do are two different things. But right. at the end of the day, it's who finishes more than it should be who starts. But we know egos get involved. But you could, okay, mm-hmm. so maybe you start Ant because you're going to be paying like a starter, right? And maybe you start Hart because he's more of a veteran than Nasir. But the minutes could be exactly the same as they would be if you did what I was saying. So at the end of the day, the impact's the same for the most part. It's just a different in terms of who's starting. But if you come into the season next year and you have a heart, you have a Nasir, because Nasir is going to be way better defensively than Powell. And here's another thing oh, yeah. about the Powell thing too. 
There's nothing about the Powell thing, too. There was no way Powell was coming back as a starter. No. There's right. no so way. You were, so, so you weren't... So I think a lot of people thought, oh, we're trading a starter averaging 18 points. No. You're trading a guy who's going to be a backup. He's not going to average 18 as a backup anymore. He's going to be averaging 14, 13 as a backup. So that's what you're trading. Not what people... Anyway, so Nasir at the three and then Hart. Even if... So if you have a game where Ant maybe is overmatched defensively or Dame is... You have hard at least when you can put in there at the two and alter those minutes and how you how you use them to offer you offer you a guy who can play defense at the two. Now you mentioned Nurk at the five. You think Nurk stays? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Really? Oh yeah. If they you don't think there's any interest in moving him, even though they put him on the trade block earlier this this year? Well, he's unrestricted. So they can't move him now unless it's a sign and trade. I mean, so I guess if someone comes along with a sign and trade offer, then. Who knows? But um, to me, if they were not going to bring him back, you trade him at the deadline, even if it's for a second round pick. At least you get something for him. Plus, it helps you tank. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, no, but no, I've been told that that they well one there aren't any signs out there like who you can replace. Him. That's one. Right. And then two, uh, they like his skill set. You know, they like they like how he passes as a big. Um, his uh, rim protection is probably not what it used to be. I mean, hope maybe he can get back to what he first was when he first got to Portland when he was such a good rim protector. But he, he can rebound. I mean, the, those last, well, actually since January, he's been really, really good. And that seven-game stretch mm-hmm. of double-doubles, the four games they won uh, before the All-Star break. I mean, to me, he was playing so well, they were like invented plantar fasciitis for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was going to screw everything up. So if you have a guy who can play that way and you're thinking about the other guys you're putting around him, I think you bring him back. And I also think this plantar fasciitis nonsense is an example or evidence that there's already a wink-wink in place. Because he don't okay. look hurt to me. I was mm-hmm. in Memphis. And Memphis, to my gleeful surprise, is one of the only, if not the only, place that still allows media to sit courtside. Like, I was second row. Oh. It was freaking amazing. I hadn't sat second row in an NBA game since ever. And it was just phenomenal. And I watched him and uh, what's his face? Stephen Allen. Wait, yeah. Stephen Adams, Adams. sorry. Stephen Adams, sorry. Uh, battle inside like Godzilla versus Mothra. That's what my line is. <laughs> if I latch onto a line I like, I'll just use it everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I'm using that line. Godzilla versus Mothra. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to use that all week. Um, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> And, and Nurkic was, I mean, and Adams is a big physical dude, and Nurkic dominated that that guy that day. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I, yeah, if they weren't going to keep him, he'd be gone. As a side note, next time you're in Memphis, you got to tell our guy, Pete Pranica, what's up from the show. I don't know if you know who Pete Pranica is. Uh-huh. What's he do? He's the, he's the play-by-play guy. Oh, okay. On TV or the PA? Yeah. On TV, okay, yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah. He used, I, he used I, to be I the play-by-play that. guy for us, too, for the Blazers. Back in the day. Was he? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Oh, before Mike and Mike. He, yeah, I, I believe it was two thousand to two thousand two. Back when the infamous implosion yeah. occurred against the Lakers. <laughs> the rough, the rough days. The two, the two thousand finals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. West finals. Did I tell you my story? No, you, you didn't. Tell us. Hit us with it. It was a dark Sunday afternoon. 
Fans is looking out the window right now with a with I a know. single wait, tear. Wait, we got to throw in some sound effects here. So back then, I was really into futures bets, NBA futures bets, betting like who's going to win a championship. Mm. And I would almost treat it like the stock market. And so there were literally years, and I did this with, with baseball too, where I had the combinations right to, to where no matter which team won the championship or World Series or whatever, I was going to win money. It was really pretty impressive. <laughs> Just ask me. <laughs> but I would do things like like the Suns were 100 to 1 to win the title. And then and then like the newsflash came up, Suns acquire Steve Nash. Boom, I was on my on my app right away. I got him at 100 100 to 1 to put 100 bucks on. It was 100 to win 10,000. Now they didn't win it, but I could bet against them along the way. Hedge it. And I've got a nine, $9,900 cushion between what I laid out, right? So I would do that with teams. I did that with Miami when they got Shaq. It was freaking brilliant. Um, anyway, that year, that year, it was set up to where if the Blazers won the championship, I was going to net six grand. If, this, if the Pacers won a championship, I was gonna, still going to net like 800 or something. If the Lakers won a championship, I was going to net 1,500. So game seven... They're up 15 going to fourth quarter. Your boy, your boy Aaron Fentress was spending the 6K. I'm, I'm going to get Oh, this. no. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, as they heard me say. I'm going to buy one of these. I'm going to buy me one of those. Oh, my no. wife was like, what do I get? My wife was like, what do I get? I go, nothing. This is my money. I'm going to buy this. I had it spent, bro. Aaron Fentress is selfless. I had it spent. <laughs> and then didn't happen <laughs> was just, yeah, I was beside myself I was like what are you morons doing somebody Pippin stop this I'm a Bulls fan Pippin save me Pippin, we, stop we go this. way back Pippin God, it was so painful I'll never forget it I'll never forget it because they would have smashed the Pacers the yeah, Blazers would have yeah. smashed the Pacers, and, and, and had that been the matchup, I probably the, the money line probably would have been plus three hundred Pacers. So I probably would have put another three hundred on the Pacers to win another nine hundred, um, to, to sort of you know help balance it out a little bit. But oh my God, I'll never forget that. No, uh, people always, that, that people always tell us stories about their great gambling wins. That's my great gambling loss story. But anyway, <laughs> you were so close, yeah, man. You were super close. <laughs> well, I still netted though. I still yeah. netted, but. Anyway, right on. Well, hey, Aaron, <laughs> that that is all that we have for you. Thank you for joining the show. We want to give you a few minutes if you want to talk about what you got going on. Uh, if you want to promote anything, the floor is yours. Oh, we didn't well, prep I've, you for I've it. been working. I've been working on this Ant story. I'm a big Ant dude. I throw objectivity out of the window. That's been my guy since I drafted him. I've always believed he's going to be big time. So watching him blow up the way he has has been a lot of fun. Talk to his parents. Talk to him in Memphis. Talked to two of his best friends. He grew up. He he grew up with a kid named Jaden Hardaway, who plays for Memphis. His dad is Anthony Hardaway, whom Ant was named after. It's his namesake. So, yeah, so I was cool talking to him because he told me about how it came about, how they discovered that Anthony was named after his dad, and that's sort of when they met and became became buzz when he was a kid. And then I'm working on a feature on Edmisha Curry, the assistant coach. Um, I was going to do the story nice. in November, but the team started falling apart. <laughs> James Abdomen. Oh wait, collapsed lung. Oh wait, COVID's hitting. Oh my God, the coach is out with COVID. So it's like Anisha got pushed to the back burner. But now it's a better story because all these youngsters that she's been working with have been playing well. Now, of course, they've gone into tank mode, so it's not 
quite as good of a story given what she's done with him, but she still has developed those guys. So it'll be an interesting story just talking about what she, what she brings to the table as as a woman coach, you know, and how she coaches differently than than uh, than guys do, and the players respond. So those are two big features I have coming up. And then I don't know what else after that. And to be honest with you, man, I'm in tank mode. I didn't go last night. <laughs> I was a little bit. I'm not gonna say I was sick, sick. And I even told my sports editor, I'm like, if this game meant something, I could go. But they're gonna lose by 25. <laughs> it's Sunday night. <laughs> I cover a lot of road games from home anyway. I just don't feel like I'm just. I, I'm just. I'm not gonna go. And I, did, I, I was like, they're tanking. I'm going to tank. So I didn't go Sunday. I will go to, they only have seven home games left. I will go to a few more. But um, they're going to tank in glorious fashion, guys. Like, they might not win more than two or three games the rest of the year. That, I, you know, a part of me hopes that that's the case. My fandom hopes that it isn't. Amen. But. Okay, so, we're, we'll so before we go, so before we go, unless you guys have to go. You're open-ended, right? No, no, no we're good. I don't know. All right. Open late. So, what do you like? Dwight was complaining about this today, and I love Dwight. Don't get me wrong. Dwight's my boy. Like I said, we debate and argue for for thirty years, so I have nothing but love. And people be- just before you go forward, we love Dwight too. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's under the gun lately on Twitter. You mean oh, people are coming at him? Oh, hard. Yeah, because he was tweeting crazy things. <laughs> 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 but seriously, fans, if you disagree with us. That's great. Disagree with me all day, but when you guys come at us sideways, disrespectful, it's like with, with ninety-eight followers. It's like, what are you doing? Like, we, yeah, like that don't make Dwight, sense. Dwight, Dwight has covered the NBA for. He's probably been to two thousand NBA games. You don't. I mean, you might be right sometimes, and Dwight might be wrong, but you do not know the NBA better than Dwight James, especially the history of the NBA. Anyway, my my point here is that he was saying that it's unfair to the fans when you're tanking, blah 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 blah. And me, I'm like, no. If I'm a fan. I want in this situation. Oh my God! I want the pick, the higher pick, the highest pick I can get. More than I want some damn wins over like some some March, April wins when I don't want to be in the plan. I'm gonna beat San Antonio in April. Why? No. I mean, where do you guys stand on that? I, I I'm with that. Uh, I would much rather get the pick at this point. I mean, we've been as fans, we've been waiting for so long for them to be able to build something proper around dame like why waste that opportunity that's where i sit with it someone people have said to me the blazers have or neil O'Shea let other teams pass them by look at phoenix i'm like okay phoenix had a number one overall pick well look at memphis okay morant went two and what jaron jackson go i forget it. he's top 10 wasn't he i don't remember okay um dallas luca <laughs> you know what i'm saying so minnesota's had well carl anthony towns number one they traded for uh, Russell, who's, who's a lot, I think he's a lot or late first anyway. But, and then Anthony Edwards, they have two number one picks. Two number one picks. Um, the Lakers have, they didn't pick those guys, but they traded a two in, in ball, a three in Ingram, and other picks to get Anthony Davis, who was a number one pick. So the idea that Portland has allowed teams to pass them up, the teams that have passed them up have done so with high picks. So yeah. you got to, if you can get a chance to get a high pick and hit on that pick, that could change your franchise. So for me, I'm all about the tanking, and I'll, I'll never forget the 17-18 season when the Bulls, like I said, I'm a Bulls fan. They were supposed to be awful. I was already planning for a top three pick, and then Miritich went freaking bananas in, like, November. 
because they were showcasing the trade and ended up trading him to the Pelicans. He helped the Pelicans beat the Blazers. They swept him that year, right? Miritich was playing like Larry Bird. And I was like, yeah. trade him for a box of rocks. Get him off the roster. <laughs> sure enough, they end up with the seventh pick. And they got Wendell Carter. A nice player. They end up trading him. But guess who went fifth? Trey Young. Guess who went third? Luka Doncic. So had you not had Miritich play, and because they were three and 20, I think, before Miritich started going off. You might the Bulls might have Luka Doncic right now, so that's how I look at it with with the Blazers. Don't they, winning those four in a row the other day? What if that cost them the fourth pick in a Agreed. four man draft? Right, right. You're gonna regret that forever. Just like I said earlier in the show, how much better would the Blazers be right now if they had Brandon Ingram instead of making the playoff that year when they overachieved? Bigger picture. So for me, I think it's, I think the fact that they made up an injury for Nurkic was genius. <laughs> I've already got, I got Josh Hart next on my tanking bingo card. Next. I've already predicted when is, when that. Is Ant, yeah, I was about to say I've Ant. Already, well, I've already predicted that Ant, uh, Hart, and Winslow will all miss at least five games each. I think Ant gets shut down by April 1st. When I think it's like, well, maybe when it was like, when they come home for like, when they go on the road for four more road games and they come home for two. I think by the time that trip, I think Anna shut down for those six games. And I think they're going to try literally, not try, but they're going to put a team out there on the floor that they know is not going to ever win. We, didn't, we didn't get Rose take. We didn't get Rose take on your question. Where do you sit on it? I'm all about the tank. And honestly, this is the perfect time to tank because we still have someone cool to watch. Like we still have Anthony Simons. You are still going yeah. to... You're going to love, okay, going to the game for like 10 bucks and watching Ant <laughs> and try watching to carry Ant. this team but just, still lose. And you it's a win-win sure win situation, right? Just make sure you check the injury report because it's a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> a mysterious <laughs> back, right? <laughs> oh, man, I got, I got $10 tickets to go see the Blazers. We're going to see Ant. Oh, crap. He's out with what? That's not even a thing. That's not even an injury. They just made that up. You just you just went to a game to watch Eubanks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> did you guys hear the other night when he said I was starting? The yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Someone asked us who was starting at center. He goes, Aaron French. And I go, yes. And then, and then someone, Put me in, coach. Man, someone says, man, you guys are going to be in trouble. He goes, oh, yeah, we're going to be in trouble. I was like, hey. And then uh, John Hyken says, man, you guys must really want that high pick. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need this this type of you want to win put Pinterest in thank you that's what I was saying shoot anyway oh, that's awesome that's really Aaron we we love having you on the show man Absolutely. we really appreciate you taking the time out of your it's evening always to fun, join dude. us sorry, sorry we didn't do it sooner so. but it was just one of those years where it was just like uh, crazy but uh, I'm glad we made it happen we'll, we'll do it sooner next time I promise yeah, absolutely. Let's, so let's, let's, tomorrow, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's let's make sure uh, we we do something at no later than after the lottery. How about okay. this? How about that? Here's how you can get in on the bet in the playoffs before if, the playoffs start. We'll, it, we'll, okay, we'll see where they are. I was gonna say if they get matched up, you got to join us at some point during that series. Okay, done. Like and it. furthermore, and furthermore, if they don't get matched up, if the Sixers 
get further than the Nets, you got to come on the show and tell me I was right. <laughs> tell you the man. <laughs> Listen, That's the I, bet. I plan, I plan on having a lot of off time this year. Last year, when the season ended, Dots was forced out. And then the controversy started with Dame and his choices. And then the controversy around Dame started. And it just effed up my summer. So I'm really looking forward to this season ending for the Blazers. They're not going to hire a new coach. Yep. They might. I think you can. Do, I think there's some things you can kind of do in terms of like tagging people or something maybe before the season's over, right? Isn't there something mm-hmm. like Connor you can do that? Whatever. But they, but they can't really do anything. Then we're gonna have the lottery. That'll be interesting. And then the finals will be over. And then the draft. But yes, I, I will be basking in the glow of off time which i really have not had any because of how horrible last year was like i literally did not take real vacation i was at my son my oldest son got married in hawaii and i was literally posting stuff from hawaii the whole day. <laughs> so my point awesome. is is that i will be totally chilling i shouldn't be very busy so absolutely yes right on so we're gonna sign off but before we go how many games are the bears winning next season well, my friend, <laughs> we're talking. It's a simple question. I'm doing my, I'm doing my, Everyone doing get ready for another thing. 20 minutes here. I know. I no. Uh, uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 9 and 7. I think Fields improves enough that they pull off a 9 and 7 and squeak in as the, the seventh, seventh seed in the uh, NFC playoffs. Shout out to my co-host. The Bay Area Blazer, Rosa Panta, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, Twitter followers, and bucket busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter at BustedBucket with your comments and questions. We love building community with you all. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.